0: morning, and welcome to New Branch Community Church. How's everybody doing? Everybody awake? Thank you guys for a great Easter last Sunday. We thank you for that, and everybody that participated and served and all that. And uh, if you weren't here last week, that's fine. We're glad you're here today. And uh, But before we get started into the message today, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. If, if you got a cell phone, if you'd pull it out and hold it up. Everybody got one? You got one like mine? Do you feel bad? Is it S5? <laughs> Everybody's going. I got the i6 or whatever. All right, so hold it up. And see what kind of person you are. Stand up. And here's what we like to do this morning. Social media is very powerful, and, uh, and so what we'd like you to do is if you turn your camera on and take a selfie, okay, and post that on Facebook, and we got some music. Everybody stand up. I mean, I'm, I'm not joking when I say this, okay? And if you don't have a camera you don't want to do that, that's fine. Just photo bomb somebody else, and uh, we're going to play some music and uh, take a selfie. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that. All right? I'll take one with you. so we're gonna have a hard time getting control back or first service was out of control i mean we lost it that's all we did first certain i'm just playing you can be seated if, if you can <laughs> and feel free to paste that but hashtag us new branch dot church is our hashtag and um if you do that if you know what hashtag is if you don't know what it is don't worry about it but uh if you do instagram us tweet us Facebook us, and you never know how God's going to use that in somebody's life. So you say, I saw you were in church. I can't believe a church would have you. I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm playing. But if your friends see it, they might say, hey, I want to know more about your church. It's a great way to do that. I did think it was kind of weird how we set that up today with the music because Karen did a fabulous job leading worship, and especially right at the end today of saying, God, it's all about you. It's not about us. And then I said, take a selfie, so I don't know, it was just kind of weird, and I don't, know. I don't know how that happened, but it was fun. So anyway, do that. Thank you guys for supporting us on social media. We are in a series that we started last Sunday called, What If? And, and it was basically, last Sunday was Easter, and we talked about what we always talk about on Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we, and we, we looked at Ephesians chapter 1 that said that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he had all authority. That that's what Ephesians teaches us. And then we started thinking, well, what does that mean to us, then, if he has all authority? And what it means to us is is that Jesus Christ is, is full, and it said he fills everything in every way, and he said that he has the authority, but especially for the church, that he is the head over the church. And then it said he fills everything in every way. And we said, okay, well, if he fills everything in every way, what does that mean? And we went back and we looked at John chapter 1, and we found out that Jesus was full of both grace and truth. And that sounds awesome. And that if we, as his followers, should be full of both grace and truth. Now, that sounds great until you understand what grace and truth are. They're like oil and water, are they not? That, that truth says that, that there needs to be justice. Truth says that there needs to be accountability. Truth says that we've got to tell it like it is, right, and let it stand where it does. But grace says we need to have a second chance. Grace says there needs to be forgiveness. How do you resolve the tension between the two? And Jesus was very good with attention. We said, just like a guitar, that it only works when there's tension between them and that we never can resolve that tension. And, um, and last Sunday, everybody left, and they were going, man, that was good, and we liked that. We liked that in theory. <laughs> and today, we're going to do it practically. And we're going to cover some topics the rest of this series that are practical issues to say, how do we do that? And Jesus even taught us that if we want to be his followers, in fact, he said that we have to love like he did. John, John chapter one, or John chapter 13, in fact, we'll put it up on the screen. He said this, a new command I give you. This is what we covered last Sunday. A new command I give you, if you want to be my followers, a new command I give you, love one another. We go, oh, we've heard that. As I have loved you, full of grace and truth is what he meant. And then he goes on to say it again. He says, you know, if you want to be my disciples, then you must love one another. In verse 35, he says, if you want to be by this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So he didn't stutter, but he's saying, hey, a new command, that's punctuated to say, this is the command that Jesus gives. You have to love like me. If you want to be the church that, you, that, that I want you to be, then I fill you in every way. And that means you have to be good with understanding 100% truth, meaning we're not going to compromise the truth. You ever been to truth church? I have, right? It's tough, isn't it? But 100% grace. And he goes, don't try to resolve the tension, but understand that when you go there, then you're going to have the embodiment, and Christ can do some amazing things in our lives. But when we give up one or the other, we find this: that the church is at its best. This is what we covered last week. The church is at its best when it embraces both grace and truth, but it's not willing to let go of either one. Um, maybe you've experienced churches that that are all truth. Anybody ever done that? And you go, I didn't go back there again, <laughs> right? Southern Baptist, I'm just messing with you. I was, I get it, independent Baptist, okay? So I get it. I was raised that way. And, and there's some truths to be said, but, but we go, when it's all truth and no grace, what happens then, right? Have you ever been to all grace church? I have. They'll accept you right where you are and stay right where you are, right? And you go, wait a minute, you didn't warn me about the real truth and now I'm getting damaged because I didn't know that there was real hard truths that had to be told and you didn't tell me. You ever done that as a child where it's like, you went out and got hurt, and then you, you fussed at your parents for saying, how could you have let me do that? Anybody ever had that happen? Sure, because we all do. So the church is at its best when it embraces both grace and truth, but won't let go of either one. Okay, today we're going to cover a topic that is probably very controversial for most people. And, and if this is you, I want, I want you to know we're not pinpointing you. And what I'd like to ask you to do is, is would you allow me... To explore this practically if you're not struggling with this particular issue then, then don't check out on me okay because God has something for all of us in this this is just one issue but I think it's one that there's some people that struggle with this one that go I can only get so close and I don't know quite what to do with it and how do we wrestle with the tension of grace and truth when it comes to what if we live together and we're not married this is something I see a lot, there's a lot of people that do that, so don't feel singled out because there's probably a lot of people in this room that you didn't know. They're living together, and they're not married, and they're coming here, and they're looking for the truth from God, but they're also looking of the grace of God, and they're a little afraid to talk about it. So, so these, are one, these are some of the questions in, the, in this series. We're going to be covering some of the, the topics of people that would say, these are questions real people are asking. They're not really asking them, though, you know, because everybody's afraid to ask them. But, but what do we do? What do you do if you're living together and you're not married? How does God see you? What does God want for you? What is the truth? What is the grace? And then how should a church respond? What should a church's response be? And, and I have a feeling some people are going, oh, I can't believe you're going to talk about that. <laughs> Better get ready. you know. And, and I'm not afraid to cover it because I really think this is it. But what I would like to ask you to do is, is please don't check out until we get to the end. Okay? Because you got to hear all of it. you got to hear all about the truth and all about the grace. And if you hear both, I have a feeling you're going to land somewhere to go, you could be in the best spot you've ever been in in your life. And so I'm glad that you're here today. I hope that you'll stay the whole time and don't stone me. Okay, so here we go. The first part we want to cover is this, is the truth that's found in God's Word. In fact, I want to put it up on the screen. Here's the verses that talk about living together and not being married. Okay, maybe you didn't know the Bible even spoke to that issue. I've had some people that ask me that. Or they go, I did know that God spoke to it. But, but here it is, a, a bunch of them. These are in your outline, so you don't have to try to write them down real fast. <laughs> I got them all in there. And I just want to highlight one of them. They all basically say the same thing, all the way from the Old Testament to what Jesus taught in the New Testament to the epistles, all the way to Revelation. They got verses on this. Maybe you didn't know that. And so the truth is, and here's what basically the truth says. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13, and I'll put it up here on the screen for you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 And it says this, honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. Um, So before we go any further, I just want to say the truth found in God's word isn't just negative. It's saying, hey, God created sex. And I know sometimes church is scared to say it. Sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable to say it. But, but God created sex on purpose, with a purpose, and he did so to say, hey, I want you to be able to get everything you can from it. And if you want to do it, it's a sacred act. It's more than just a physical act, that it requires a commitment or you're going to hurt yourself with this. Just like the law of gravity, you're not just going to break it. You'll break yourself against it if you try to practice it a different way. And he's saying, what I want for you, my desire for you was, is honor marriage, understand that it takes a commitment of a husband and a wife to take vows before God for this to really work out correctly. And before we go to anything negative, I just wanted to tell you what it was supposed to be about. Now, how many of us have messed that up? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. That would probably be almost everybody in this room, right? Especially if you went by Jesus standard, it said, if you lust after a woman in your heart, right? Any guys? No one, no one can walk out the room saying we didn't mess this up, but, but that was God's plan. But it says that God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Now, if you're like me, and and maybe you've made some mistakes in that area, then you would say, wait a minute, I have a commitment. And some people that are living together are saying, no, 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 we've made a committed relationship, but we haven't taken it to that next level. That's sometimes what I hear. And what God is saying, I draw a line because understand, if you're not all in, and that's what you're going to do, is this thing where you're kind of going back and forth, then you're outside of my bounds, and it's going to hurt you. And sin's got to gotcha. And I want you to know the truth is that, that and this is just one verse out of it, and this comes from the message version because it's a little bit easier to understand, but, but if you read it in your version, I guarantee you it will say the same thing. That the truth is, is God's intention for you is not to live together without being married. It'll hurt you. It's a sin. It's wrong. And we have to be very clear on the truth. The 100% truth is, is that it's wrong. And, and, and I know there's churches that justify it and say, no, we don't want to go there. No, we won't want to talk about it. No, we want to skirt around it, and we don't want to tell the truth. But if we don't, then we're, we're damaging you. Um, and I know the culture doesn't like that. Here's what I know, though, about the culture of people that, that we have here. I haven't met many people that are arguing this part. I haven't met many people that walk through my doors that go, we're living together, we're not married, and we didn't realize that it's wrong. Now, there are a few that go, I didn't know that in the scripture, and that's why I gave you all these. So you can explore it and say, this is what it means to be a Christ follower. If you're not a Christ follower, we didn't expect you to follow this. Okay? But if you are, then you're going, hey, th- these are things i got to follow, and we just wanted you to see the truth up front. But, but what I find is, is most people aren't struggling with the truth. And that's kind of the other part that I want to talk about today. What most people are struggling with is, is they're going, my life didn't turn out like I thought it would. And this isn't exactly the course that I thought I was going to go down. And I have real problems, and I have real commitment problems, and I've had some hurts and hang-ups and all kinds of things that have, have, have led me down a path where I ended up here. And I didn't necessarily mean to end up here, but here's where I am. Now what do I do? And I come to church and I feel guilty, but I don't know how to take the next step. And you don't know how complex my situation is. And I hear this a lot. And I want to tell you, there's hope today and there's grace today and there's truth today. And we want to share it a little bit with you today to say, yeah, this might be the truth, but God has a plan. And so here's here's what I want to tell you. If we want to understand what Jesus meant by this, if you want to understand anything that Jesus meant and interpret it correctly, then watch what he did. Watch what he did. Watch how he lived it out. And today we're going to take a look at that as it relates to this very topic, okay? So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 8 or your Bible apps, we're going to take a look at how, how did Jesus handle this? How did he handle the truth of it? How did he handle the grace of it? And what does that mean for a church? John chapter 8 If you'll turn with me, and we'll put it up here on the screen. It's in your outlines as well, so you can take home and look at it. John chapter 8, and we'll skip down to verse 3. It says this, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Now that word, means it is adultery, meaning that she was probably married or the man was married or whatever. It could mean fornication. The same rules apply, by the way, in the Old Testament, whether it be adultery or fornication, which is living together and not being married. Okay, so a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group. Verse 4 says, and Jesus, and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Okay, so let me pause. This would be like the leaders of our day, the, the political leaders or the religious leaders or whoever, right in the middle of this service, as, as full as we are today, come right in through that door and, 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 and say, we've caught this woman in the act of adultery. Boom, get it? But not in a crowd this size. Think of a couple thousand people that came to hear Jesus, who, who is claiming to be Messiah, and now all of a sudden they're, they're coming to hear the great teacher, and it's interrupted by the Pharisees that just come in and throw her in front of everybody, and force him, what they're doing is they're trying to force him to make a decision. Okay? This woman's caught in the act of adultery, and here's what we want you to do, Jesus, verse 5. In the law, law Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. In the law of Moses, see, in the Bible, that's what it means. That's, that's what the law of Moses is. In the Bible, the commands, what we got down from the Ten Commandments, and you claim to be God, so you should know, because didn't you write these? In the law that you gave, right, that's basically what they're saying. In the law that God says, it commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, let me ask you a question, Jesus. What, what do you say? Well, that's loaded, isn't it? They're saying this. They're saying, look, the, the policy is, okay? <laughs> the policy from the Word of God is, the category is, this is an adulterous woman. You get it? That's the category. The policy for a category like that is, you stone her to death. <laughs> well, that's quite the question. We know you teach all that grace stuff, Jesus, but now, are you really gonna be 100% true? You claim to be the truth and the life. Are you the truth? Are you going to stand on truth? It is the law of God that you will stone her to death. What do you say, Jesus? Verse 6. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. See, I didn't make that up. That's actually what they were doing. But, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, this seems to be odd. Think of a couple thousand people sitting here. Okay in to see the teacher. He's interrupted. They talk to him, and instead of continuing to teach, instead of saying anything, he just gets down on the sand and starts to write. Is he losing it? Is he trying to collect his thoughts? You know what I mean? And this is kind of what they're thinking. So they're thinking, he's losing it. He doesn't know what to do. He's in that moment. Have you ever had those moments where somebody embarrassed you, or they, they called you to answer a question you weren't ready to answer? That's what they thought. And so they started barrage him with questions. In fact, that's what it says. Verse 7, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, okay, wait a minute, sorry, verse 6. They were using the, this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, I don't know what he wrote on the ground and no one ever will. But I believe that maybe they weren't paying attention to what he was writing when they were barraging him. And maybe he was writing down all their personal sins on the ground. That's, that's been a belief, and I, and I think that's probably fairly accurate. And so he, he stops, and at that point I think he's going, if you're without sin, why don't you be the first one to cast a stone? And then he points out their sin. Which, by the way, is probably, probably means they, they had sins that were guilty of being stoned to death as well. And so what he's saying is, is he goes, are you sure that's where you want to go? Because if we start going there, guess what? You all should be stoned to death too. And then I think, and then it says he bent back down, right? Again, he stooped down and started right on the ground. And I think what he was doing was he was starting to attach names to the sins. <laughs> now we're going to get real. We're going to have a stoning here. But the truth is, is we're going to be stoning each other. Because ain't nobody here without the sin that's guilty of death. <laughs> and, and it must have had an effect, because here's what happened. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older, because they probably had more sin, ones first. <laughs> the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. The ones that felt so justified left first because they realized, oh my goodness, my sin's down here too. I forgot that was me. I forgot I did that, and I deserve this. And then Jesus says something very interesting. It says, Jesus uh, then straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Isn't that an interesting choice of words? Well, Wait a minute, she is condemned. She's guilty, right? But he uses an interesting sort of words. He says, is no one condemning you? I think we could put it a different way. Is no one worthy to condemn you? (laughs) You you mean all have sinned? All are guilty? That your sin is one that's, yeah, it's pointed out, but the truth is is that everyone there was the same way, so nobody could condemn you. Is that right? She says in verse 11, no, sir, she said, then I want you to pay attention to this next part because it's huge. Then neither do I condemn you. Huh? That's an interesting choice of words, Jesus. This lady was caught in the act of adultery. And you say you don't condemn her? How could you say that? Jesus declared it. That's what it says. Declared. Imperative. He didn't say it quietly. He didn't say it in a, in a in, let's just get around this. But he said, I don't condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. I want to put those two statements back up. I might have reworded them just a little bit. Jesus said, pay attention to the order. She hasn't done anything. Now I know we might have been taught all kinds of things. But if you want to know what Jesus meant by what he said, watch what he did. This is what he did. She didn't change and then he says, "I, I don't condemn you. She didn't pray, and then he says, I don't condemn you. You know what he said? I don't condemn you. Now change. That's a big difference in message, isn't it? Huge difference in message. Now leave your life. Now you will have the power to leave your life of sin. When you find out that God loves you right where you are, without doing anything. In fact, I loved you before you were even here. There's nothing you could do to make me love you less, and I couldn't love you anymore. I don't condemn you. Now I know some of us were struggling with that, going, wait a minute, she did wrong. Yeah, she did. And he's saying the solution to the problem, you want to know what it is, is receive my love, and then you'll change. And that's a big difference message. Maybe you've heard a different message. But let me be clear on what Jesus' message is. What Jesus' message is, and in fact, if you want to write it down, we'll, we'll put it up here for you. Jesus' message is not change, and then you can follow me. That's not Jesus' message. If that's what you're waiting for, you know what Jesus is teaching? He's saying, if that's what you're waiting for, you'll never be able to follow me. What he said is, come follow me, and then you will change. I don't condemn you. Now leave your life of sin. Until you receive the love of God, you'll never be able to leave your life of sin. You see, a lot of times the church, the truth church, and we can can pick on denominations and some of them come to mind because we've all been part of some of them, that the way you change is you feel more guilty. Anybody ever had that? That the method of change is first guilt, and then we'll change because we feel so guilty. And Jesus' method couldn't be further from that. You know what Jesus' method was? I don't condemn you. I forgive you. Now you can change. Now you are free to change. The love of God will penetrate your life, and now all of a sudden, the love of God will change your life. That's Jesus' method. That's a whole different message, isn't it? It's not change, and then you can follow. That's what the Pharisees were saying. That's why they had a problem with him. Once we follow all the laws, then we'll be right with God. And he's going, you can't follow all the laws. That's the point of the law was to point out that you are imperfect and you need me to restore you. But if you start to follow me, can I tell you what happened? Then you'll change. We're going to finish talking about this, but first, we got a short video testimony. Somebody in the church was brave enough to, to do a video testimony today, and um, we'd like to share it with you. So if you direct your attention to the screen. <laughs> like that. I really appreciate them doing that. They could say what no one else did, even though Ken didn't say a lot. He was there, (laughs) and uh, you can thank him for that, but um, powerful, and um, they could say what I can't because they've dealt with that, and maybe you didn't know that, Um, and if you know Ken and Diana Warren, if you don't, they're pillars in this church. When When we came from Western Branch Community Church to start New Branch, they were some of the first ones to come alongside and have impacted lives in huge ways. They're leaders in this church. And look, look where they were at when they started. What, what, what if someone had, instead of, I don't condemn you, had, had been, been not, not to say it wasn't wrong. But pay attention to the sequence of what she said. She goes, we knew what we were doing was wrong. We felt guilty, and we came here looking for hope. But if somebody had made us feel judged, get it? If somebody had made us feel like we can't belong while we're struggling, we would have went away and never come back. That's what, and that's what they told me. And today, their lives are changed. Today, they're striving to be more like Christ. And I love what, and talking to her to say, you know, it's not a fairy tale. And that's why I'm glad she shared a part about breast cancer. It's not like, hey, we got married, now Jesus has blessed our lives, and it's just, you know, up and up and up. No, it's not. And, and they have struggles in marriage, and they have struggles in other things. But can I tell you, they've helped other people that are struggling with the same thing. They were able to come along, other people in this church that said, hey, we were living together, and we weren't married. And they helped encourage them and prayed through that and taught them through the process, and the day they're married and And struggling just like everybody else. And so, what I want you to see from this is this that's you. That Jesus' message is this I don't condemn you. That Jesus Christ, no matter what you've done, and don't just label it with that particular thing if we live together, because there's so many other things. (laughs) If he were to come here, he would have all the sins listed out, and we'd go, if that's who you think that he's talking to, then you're probably missing the point. He's saying to every one of us that should be condemned, I don't condemn you. Now leave your life of sin through the freedom that I give you. That's a whole different message than feel guilty, and when you, when you can get it all straightened out, then you can come follow me. Get the idea? That's Jesus' message. So, so if you're here today, or you're watching online because you didn't want to come here today to hear me, um, if you live together and you're not married, then here's the message I believe that God wants for you. Here's how I think God would want you to respond. I'll give you, I'll give you three things. The first one is this. Would you, would you receive God's love? Would you receive God's love? This isn't just for the person living together. This is for any of us that are struggling and you're going, I've, I don't know that God could help me. I don't know if I could be accepted. Then here's what I want to tell you where to start. Would you receive God's love? Not, not anything else because you already have it. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you before the lady even said the first word. These aren't my words, these are his. He didn't wait for her response. He said, I love you right where you are. That God loves you right where you are. Don't move too far past that. Make sure you understand it. You don't have to, God couldn't love you anymore, and there's nothing you've done in your life that could make him love you less. Receive the love of God. The second thing i challenge you to do is this, is as you're receiving the love of God, because believe me, it's not a one-time act, that the person I'm talking to today isn't the one that says, hey, I've never received Christ as Savior, although I am talking to you. If you've never done that, then today is a perfect day. But I'm talking to the one that say, I did know Christ, and I've kind of sidestepped it, and I've kind of moved away from what I once knew. Can I tell you, receive God's love. is isn't a one-time act, okay? Second, take a step towards God. Take the first step towards God. and Don't, don't look at everything you got to change. Don't look at, how can I get this egg that's so scrambled up back together again? Sometimes you can't, right? So I'm going to ask you today, look, could you just take the first step? Could you just take the first step towards God and see what happens? He'll be there to meet you. It'll start to change your life. And, this, and the third one is this. Would you be part of a church. It doesn't have to be this one, but I'm talking about the church, God's church. If you don't have a church and you've been coming here, then I want you to be part. Maybe you've been coming here for a while and you go, we have stuff in our life that's keeping us from being part and you thought that we would judge you. You get it? You thought we would condemn you. You thought you couldn't be part until you get it all together. Can I tell you, you'll never do that. That's why I I wanted to make sure you got the sequence down. If you think it's, I'll follow, I'll be part once I get my life all together, you'll never get there. i tell you. You'll be waiting until Jesus comes and beyond to get your life together and then change. But here's what I know, guys. If you'll start to follow, if you'll start to be part, you can see what happened. Then you'll change. Then your life will start to conform. Now, I've got to tell you, being part is going to be difficult. Get it? Being part means 100% truth and 100% grace. And I got to tell you, there's a tension there. So please don't hear me say that we're not going to call things like they are. If you start getting in with people and start having conversations, not all those conversations are easy. Not all of them are hard, easy to hear. But here's what I know about truth and grace if they're done right. And we don't always do it right, believe me. But if it's done correctly, then here's what we'll end up saying. I was so mad when that person said that to me. I got some friends. That's what I felt. The people I've been mad at in life, the most mad at in life are the people that I love the most that were willing to tell me the hard truth, and that day, I didn't want to receive it. You get it? And I walked away, and then I came back. You get the idea? Be part. See, a lot of us are thinking, well, I'm, I'm such a sinner, I don't think that I could be part. Can I tell you that sin doesn't disqualify you? It's a prerequisite. Let that wash over you for a minute. That church is only made up of people that have struggled with sin. Hmm? Why do you think they all walked away? Why do you think you can say, I don't condemn you? And I know some church people, it's rubbing us wrong because we're going, oh, no, no, they got to change first. But let me ask you a question. How did you get here? Did somebody make an exception for you? Because i got to tell you, when I look around the room and I see the true Christ followers in the room, it was because somebody did what Diana Warren talked about. Somebody made an exception. I, I, the rules said, the policies and the category said that the category is this, and therefore the rule is this, go away, right? But somebody made an exception and said, could we have a conversation, right? And know what happened? Be part of the church. So what I'd like you to do is maybe pull out that connection card today. And we got a list of questions there on purpose, with a purpose to say, have you ever received Christ. Maybe if you haven't today, maybe check that box and not just check it, but as you do, receive Christ as your Savior. Call out to him in your own words and go, I understand you love me. I don't understand how that could be possible, but you do. And you died on the cross and you rose from the dead, and I want to accept you as Savior. Check that. Maybe it's the person that says, I already know him as Savior, but I have walked away and I didn't know I could come back. And maybe it's today you need to check that box that says, hey, I'll recommit my life. I'll I'll, I'll come back to God. I didn't know he could still love me. I thought the church just shot their wounded, you know. Maybe you felt that. And maybe today is the day you can go, hey, no, I could be part. Maybe it's water baptism. Maybe you need to, be, maybe you need to commit and say, I, I've never been all in. I've never, I've never stood up in front of people and said, I've decided to follow Jesus. And you need to do that, water baptism, and check the box. Maybe it's, I need to be part of this church. Maybe I need to get involved and check, catch the vision. We'll be signing up for a class and explain what, how to get involved in this church. Maybe it's serving. Maybe you go, wait a minute, if I'm struggling, does that mean I can serve? Yeah. And I understand there's levels of purity, and I understand we have to get our life straight, and we don't want everybody that's struggling with certain things to be in charge of everything, and I get it. But I'm saying, you could serve somewhere, right? You know the best way to get involved? You know the best way to come close to Christ? You know what his followers did? His followers who didn't believe right and didn't behave right, you know what he did? He got them serving. And then he looked at them after he washed their feet and said, go and do the likewise. That some things are only learned through the servant's entrance. Some things we'll only do when we do it together. You can be part. You can belong before you believe. Did you know that? You can belong before you believe right and before you behave right. In fact, it's the only way it really works. It's a fact. I don't condemn you. Leave your life of sin. Not the other way. Leave your life of sin and then you can come be belong. The final one is this. Would you be part of a group? Because that's where it changes. Gianna punctuated that and said it in ways that I can't even imagine what she said. is to say, we were so scared going in. And I know some of you were scared to death. They're going to judge me. They're going to talk to me. They're going to do these things to me. And and you find a group of people that are just like you. That all we're doing and all the church is all about is it's not a building. It's not a process. It's not a program. It's not a hype. It's not numbers. It's not a marketing scheme. It's people that are following Christ, taking one more step together. Can I tell you something? We can do more together than apart. And if you're struggling, you are welcome. (laughs) Okay? Let us make these decisions together, making these big, tough decisions with people praying for you as you're praying to do the right thing for God. You get it? I'm not saying we don't have to make changes, but it wouldn't be better if we could make these changes together. I tell you, the church they were talking about, they changed the policy. And now people come no matter what stage they're at in life because they understand if we can get you grouped, if we can get you following Christ, nobody's going to stick to a group that's going, we're moving closer to following Christ, but I want to just stay in my life of sin. They won't. They'll go away. But I'm telling you, if you've walked away from that and you go, you know what, I want a new start, be part and see what happens. Receive God's love. Take the first step towards God. And maybe the first step is being part. Could we do that? Now, i got one last challenge, and it's for our church, for this church, New Branch. Could we embrace how Jesus does it? <laughs> and I understand we're not always going to get it right, but could we, could we commit to a couple things here? Could we become this kind of church where we said, hey, you know what? We're not going to have policies and categories. I know some of the QA people are going to struggle with this. (laughs) We're not going to make policies and categories, but we'll do what Jesus did and have real conversations, meaning we could hear somebody out. We don't have to agree with everything they say to hear them. We don't have to agree with everything they say to say, I understand you're struggling. And instead of saying category, and here's the policy, go away. We could say, hey, come in, let us talk to you. I understand it's complex. I understand your life is so messed up, but through God, he could put the pieces of your life back together again, couldn't he? Because he did for me. And we could get vulnerable, and we could take off our mask, and we could start to share and say, you know what church is all about? Let's take one more step forward. Let's take one more step towards him, and we're going to be there to help you with that. Could we be that kind of church? Could we be a church that's decided that we're not here To make a point. There's a lot of Christians that think that their sole responsibility, and I understand. We're going to stand on the truth. And Jesus sent us here, and Jesus left the church so he could make a point and win an argument. That's not true, by the way. Jesus didn't come to make a point. Did you know that? If he had wanted to make a point, he could have done it in 10 minutes and left. If Jesus had wanted to make a point, he could have done it in 30 seconds and left. He could have put his foot down on the Mount of Olives and said, you're sinners, there's no justification for what you do. Justice says you deserve hell, thank you very much, and went out in a flame of glory. Get it? And been done and been justified and said I'm right and made his point. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't come to make a point. He came to make a difference. And if we're going to be his church, we've got to stop thinking our job is just truth. But it's truth and grace, which means we didn't come to make a point. We came to make a difference. And most of the difference we make isn't with what we say. It's with what we do. The tension between truth and grace. Could we be that kind of church? The last one is this. Last Sunday we said the church is at its best when it embraces both truth and grace and won't let go of either one. You know what I'm asking? Could we be that kind of church? Could we be a church... What if there was a church where they, 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 they would hold on to 100% truth and 100% grace? What would that be like? We're not always going to get it right. I get it. But what if we strived to do that together? Wouldn't that be a journey worth going on? Today I want to pray for you. And then we're going to eat lunch. I hope you'll stay and be part. We're going, to, we're going to bring some tables in and chairs, and we're going to eat together today. And I'm going to say a blessing over the food at the end of this prayer today. I just want you to know what I'm doing. And Kathy's going to tell you, and if you want to help set up some tables, we're going to do that. But before we get to that, because some people's minds are going to that, I want you to, want you to pray with me today. What is God saying to you? You need to receive his love today. I don't care how long you've been coming to a church. Do you need to receive his love today? you need to take one more step closer to God today? Do you need to be part today? And can we become a church that facilitates that? Wouldn't that be something? Let's stand for prayer. Father, we we come before you today, and Lord, I thank you for Jesus who said he doesn't condemn us. (laughs) If there was ever anyone that could say he condemns us, it's him. He paid for the sins of the world on the cross, so he knows what condemnation is all about. But yet he says, I don't want to condemn you. I want to forgive you. I want to save you. I want to change you. So God, I just pray today, Lord, that we can receive your love. I, I pray for the one that's struggling it's going, hey, you know what, we're living together and we're not married. I, I pray for the one that's struggling with other things besides that and now they're filling in the blanks going, wait a minute, no, no, it applies to me too. I pray, Lord, honestly for all of us that we truly receive God's love and understand that you love us right where we are. Hmm. And then too much to leave us there. That we're not condemned and now we can leave our life of sin. You don't want us to stay there. And we don't want to stay in a wrong condition, but we understand how complex these things can be. You understand, of all people, how complex these things can be, don't you, God? And so I pray for the one that's struggling, going, I want to believe, but you don't know how hard it is. I pray, God, they'll reach out to you today, and you'll be right there to reach them. You'll be right there to help them each step. And I pray a piece of that can be us, Lord, as your church. Whether it be this expression of the body of Christ or other churches in this area, And we pray for them today, God, for Elevate Church right down the road. We pray for them and amazing things going on. We pray for Antioch Christian Church and Tucker Swamp and Mount Carmel. Lord, there's so many of them right here in this area, God. I just pray. Whichever expression of the body of Christ that somebody chooses to be part of, I pray it helps them take one more step to you as we strive to become the body of Christ. And, Lord, I pray for us as a church. Lord, let us be that body. Let us not rest and forget who we are and start making policies and categories and forget about people and start condemning instead of realizing that God can forgive them. And the love of God is what transforms a life, not the guilt. We're already guilty, but we need the love of God in our lives. And when we receive it and when we accept it, then all of a sudden our lives start to change and we can't stop that. It's a force that will just change us so much. God, that's what I pray over us today. Father, we're about to have a meal today. Lord, I pray for the ones that might need to come today, that they'll come here and pray. And then, God, I pray for the conversations that happen around these tables today. Lord, help us have fellowship. Help maybe today, Lord, just to facilitate, and and we don't mind, we're not hiding what we want this to be about, God. Help it to facilitate us being part together. That's what this meal is all about. And you did a lot of meals because you understood that the conversation was just as important as making a point. (laughs) So, God, let us be a church that makes a difference, not just a point. You receive all the honor and glory and praise. Lord, we thank you for the food we're about to receive and the people that brought it. And I just pray for the conversations. In Jesus' name, amen.